Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And welcome to episode 125. That's it. 125. How do you say that in Spanish? I don't know. Mm. I failed that class, actually. Yeah. To be, to be. <laughs> How do you say it in Chinese? In Japanese. 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 That'd be, oh man, Ichihaku ni jugo. Would be of course. How could I tell you if you're right or wrong? So you couldn't. But Japanese is really the reason. Uh, one of the reasons that a lot of Asian cultures get further in math at younger ages because their number system makes a lot more sense. So, like to say 125 in Japan, you say one, 100, two, ten, five. Oh, so you they're doing math all the time. Yeah, yeah. So then, even just to say like like a five year old could count way higher in Japanese than they could in English because in English you have to remember the different right weird rules we have. So that's interesting. Yeah. Well, that has nothing to do with our topic today. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be holy? <laughs> the Bible calls us uh, really from the start to the end, from Genesis to Revelation. There's this ongoing theme of God's desire that we be holy. We're going to talk about what is it, what is holiness, and how might one be holy in the 21st century? Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be a great conversation. I'm looking forward to it. I actually, well... We'll get into it. I've got I've got a lot of questions on this one and, Good. and thoughts. Uh, before that, it is Joker story time, and please tell me you've got a story. You don't like my jokes? No, my jokes are the best. <laughs> you had you've had a grand total of one good joke. Really? Yeah, they make me one with everything. The well, that was that was just in one set. You talking about the entire 125 episodes? I've had one good joke. All right, I'll cut you some slack. If I, I don't, I don't remember all the jokes. Well, if you're told. right, I have one. More than you do. <laughs> I've had two. I've had two great They're not jokes. great jokes. Okay, anyway, I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to tell the story of my first date with my wife, Sue. Okay, and I pray you haven't told this before. You asked if you had. Yeah, I, I don't think I have because, uh, yeah, I don't think I have. So we met in college. I was um, a sophomore. It's my sophomore year. She was a junior. Okay. We lived in the same dorm. This particular dorm had five floors of girls and one floor of guys. So the odds were in my favor. May the odds forever be in your favor. And you just uh, like, you get there and you're like, yes. <laughs> and so, um, it was time in the fall. It was actually Halloween week. Mm. Um, oh, man, the best season. Come on. Oh, it is fall. fall yeah. Hard to beat. And, um, so the school did this thing to stimulate, um, social behavior because nobody was dating. And so they had this event called Spinster's Spree. Was it in the school's best interest that students date? Well, that makes you have a better college experience and they don't withdraw. Maybe you get a little distracted and your studies fail. I don't think they cared about that anyway. <laughs> um, so it's called Spinster Spree Weekend. And so it's coming up. And I, Sue and I had actually never met. We lived in the same dorm. And uh, she tells me now that she had noticed me oh. and thought that I was decent looking. She had never had a conversation with me. We had never met, but we had a mutual friend named Daryl. Well, and just for my curiosity and for setting the stage, what did you look like at this time? Uh, kind of a, um, you know, when your hair gets really long and they call it a Jufro. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we can say that. On here. <laughs> we just did. Uh, I think it was kind of like that. 
Okay. My hair doesn't grow long down. It grows long out. Yeah. Okay. I probably got it from you. And I had, I had that and I believe I had a beard. I did. I had a beard. Big, big glasses, big 80s glasses. Oh, yeah. Round, like clear aviator kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I see it. Uh, gold rims. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Any, did, you, did you have the Uncle Joe, just the big gold necklace? Too? No, I didn't wear necklaces. Okay. And I did not have a hairy chest, so I didn't open mine up like that. <laughs> anyway, so um, so Daryl comes to me and says, hey, uh, there's a girl I want you to, to meet, and she's going to ask you out for Spencer Spree. Would you go? I said, well, show her to me. So he points her out one day. And I go, yeah, I'd do that. This is like two weeks before Spencer's Spree. Mm-hmm. And um, she doesn't ask, she doesn't ask, she doesn't ask. And I'm starting to have a couple of girls ask me. So I said to Daryl, hey, man, is she going to do this or not? And he said, yeah, 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 she will. Just save Friday night for her. Okay. So right. you're having to lock yourself in your room just to get these girls to quit asking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not like that. But... Uh, so I, I keep blocking Friday night and finally she asked. And when she came up and talked to me, she had never heard me speak before. So she said all these thoughts of he's a pretty good looking guy went totally out the window when she heard how Southern I sounded from Texas. <laughs> oh, no. My accent was way worse than it is now. And it was almost like her heart sank. She didn't want to date a, like a, a good old she Southern She just boy? said, man, you know, to a lot of people who haven't been around Southern people, they think Southern people sound unintelligent. Hmm. I don't know if that was her thought, but anyway, so she stuck to it. And, um, so it was actually, sure, darling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, little lady, I'd be happy to go out with you. Uh, so literally she walked up, I was sitting, studying in a, in a lobby. She came up, uh, hi. I said, hi. She said, Friday night. (laughs) I said, sure. She said, okay, thanks. And she walked away. I mean, it was literally like that. I got my hair from you, but I got my my romance (laughs) skills from mom, I guess. (laughs) And so it turned out to be a quadruple date. Okay. And we got there, and the girls had roses for us. And they opened our door. They took us to a restaurant, a steak place called The Wooden Nickel. Weird name. Yes, it was like a giant kind of saloon-looking place, but it was a steakhouse. Hmm. And uh, fascinating, on our honeymoon, we get married, we driving to our honeymoon and out in the middle of nowhere there's another wooden nickel really so our first meal together as a married couple was also at a wooden nickel that's a hoot yeah anyway so we go to the wooden nickel we have steaks there it's just a blast then we go to all these haunted places in springfield and the other couple they were it was a good time they weren't awkward well, there was, was three other couples there was oh you said quadruple a quadruple date, that's right John. sorry i, I, miss, I, I thought I, the japanese made you better at math <laughs> i said if you learned it from a kid oh okay my mind's all english and, and <laughs> busted up so four eight people total that's right and it was a great time yes now one of the four was sue's sister and i think um the guy she's with they weren't really dating Right, it was just like a fun thing. Yeah, and I tried to hold Sue's hand through the haunted house, and Pam kept slapping my hand away. <laughs> she was not happy that, that Sue and I liked each other. Well, she's just being a good sister, probably trying to protect her Maybe. protect her sister. Anyway, we go we go to a haunted house. We went to this place called Heartbeat, where you go, you crawl down in the ground, and you hear this, boom, boom, boom. It's a, it's, a, it's a road that's higher above there, and every time cars drive across, it sounds like a heartbeat under there. Weird. We went to a place called Skull Tree, where some dude had taken a bunch of skulls and tied them on a rope and wrapped them around a tree, so the entire trunk of the tree was skulls. And to that day, it was still on there? Oh, like yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. 
We uh, anyway, we had a great time. I was wondering, I was scratching my eyes, like, why would why were they doing this? And I was like, oh yeah, Halloween, Halloween. And um, the funny thing, my buddy Dougal actually went out with Sue on Thursday night. So he always he, for thirty seven years he said, <laughs> "I threw you my scraps." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then, I'm, I'm sure he is the one who ended that relationship. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so at the end of the night, we, we, you know, we live in the same dorm. So we go up to the lobby, hang out there, we're talking for a few minutes. And I said, well, listen, I walked her to her staircase and I said, man, I had a great time. She said, me too. Boom. She's gone. Mm-hmm. She was petrified that I was going to try to kiss her and I would have. <laughs> she got a good read of you. She got a good read of me early. Anyway, that was our first date. And I told my my roommate that night when I went to the room, I just had my first date with my wife. Easy peasy. Yeah. It didn't go easy peasy after that, but it was, that's how I felt. And, uh, in the long run, I was right. You've been, uh, quick to make decisions your whole life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have a knack for it. All right. Let's but, talk about holiness, John. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. What does the word holy mean to you? When, when you hear the word be holy because I'm holy, mm. um, your holy, unless your holiness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you have no place in heaven. What are we talking about here? What does it mean to be holy? Well, I think in that second one, Jesus was being a little facetious, like saying, "Unless you're more holy than Harold and Dave, you ain't gonna make it." You know. Um, well, the people viewed those people right as the elite holies. And I think that's our that's my first clue as to what really that means is uh maybe in our um modern cultural English that would be integrity. Maybe that's the word I would use. Mm. Integrity has a little too much um you know, like John Wayne we talked about John Wayne Christianity. That might be a little more integrity, quote unquote, mm-hmm. than holiness. Because mm-hmm. holiness is more um uh what's the word? Uh lofty than that it, it's it's bigger right. than just integrity right um but i don't know it's almost like like we all know what it means it's hard to think of an, a synonym for it let's follow this trail you said the you know the pharisees and sadducees when he said that you we now know in hindsight right that he didn't consider them holy at all right but everybody else did mm-hmm. what were they thinking he meant when he said you've got to be more holy those guys uh they probably thought, I mean, because their view of holiness at the time might have been of the, like the Pharisees. You have to be, you have to play by the rules as well as those guys play by the rules. Mm-hmm. You have to be, you know, observe this many uh, traditions and and cleansing rites and rituals and ceremonially wash your hands before you eat. Mm-hmm. You got to tithe your spices. You got to tithe mm-hmm. your your clothes. You know everything. Memorize piles and piles and piles of scripture. Yeah, and I mean, pot, like I mean the the entire Pentateuch. By the time they're what like. Yeah. So the first five books of the Bible memorized. Yeah. Word for word. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, that's all. That is a super high bar. I guess I shouldn't. Uh, what's the word? You know, mock that. Mock. I shouldn't mock what what that actually meant at the time. Yes. Um, but so so. But that's why I guess why I thought integrity is because the way Jesus talks about the Pharisees and Sadducees then was like a an unwashed cup on the inside that's pristine on the outside or a tomb. Right. Uh, so w- that's why integrity came to mind where I think, um, between you and God, you know, uh, I, man, I'm, I'm struggling with words besides from holy. Help me out here. Well, I am. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to help you out. I'm okay. going to ask more questions first okay. and then we'll get, we'll get down to some nitty gritty language, some, um, ed- etymology of the word, the, the usage of the word. 
But uh, so let's let's follow this trail. So Pharisees and Sadducees would be viewed as mega holy. Yeah, they uh, they didn't use foul words. They dressed immaculately. They carried the law around. They had these phylacteries, so the law was on their forehead. It was on their shirts. Phylacteries. Yes. You never heard of phylacteries? I've heard the word in a completely different, in a fantasy context. Yeah. So, well, so in, in, in Deuteronomy, God tells them to bind the law, the word upon your heart, your mind, hanging in your household, blah, blah, blah. So they took this literally. So they would have little scrolls sewed onto their clothes. So they would have literally a tiny scroll of the Pentateuch rolled up and pinned to their shirt right over their heart. They would have another one attached to their turban thing right above their forehead. So they would have, they would put the word in their mind. And so they were just very, very intensely obedient to the letter of these words. Right. To, to the most extent that they possibly could be, they were obedient. They would walk with a certain posture. They would sit down with a certain posture um, you know, taking the holy seats, they would they were very reverent is the word that comes to my mind. Yeah. And so uh when Jesus said you gotta be more holy than those guys, everybody went, Oh crap. What else could we possibly do? Right. Yeah. So we know that's not holiness. So yeah. that's that's probably a, a, a really a good helpful thing. Holiness is not appearance. Yeah. Holiness is not these behaviors, maybe. Well, and what's really interesting because holiness at that time is very closely tied with cleanliness and, and cleanliness to do certain things. I remember uh, learning in, uh, I, I forget which class it was, either Old Testament or New Testament, but uh, the cleanliness rights in any, any relationship with death, even the death of an animal, mm-hmm. made you unclean. So even yeah. you didn't have to sin. It was just if you handled a dead animal, you could not then be Participate clean. in religious behavior. Exactly. So then even in things like the um, parable of the Samaritan, one of the reasons a priest probably couldn't as easily ha- hang out with a guy who might be dead on the side of the road is because he would have to then go clean himself. And he was on his way to, presumably he's on his way to a religious service where he's going to provide religious duty. Yeah. So then our view of holiness now, holistic holiness or moral holiness, um, not related to cleanliness, then obviously help the guy on the road, you know. Well, this is an interesting thing. You said moral holiness. And so I'm curious, if what do you think most people today, if you said God wants you to be holy, how would they hear that? What would they be thinking that means? It's. I would like to think it would be, there'd be a pretty good consensus. I don't cheat on my taxes. I didn't cheat in classes in school. I'm honest with my boss. Maybe even things like I don't speed mm-hmm. in, you know, driving. Um, but it might be a lot of surface level stuff kind of like that. So it's interesting. All of your examples were don'ts. Uh, yes. Yeah. So holiness is pretty think, much attached to the things you don't do. I think, uh, if you asked everyone in America, it would absolutely be things you don't do. I think that would be the top 15 answers would all be don'ts. That's really interesting. That, I mean, that's just my hunch. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think you're right. And, and it's always been interesting to me that we immediately think of all the things we cannot or should not do. If we want to be holy. And it's interesting that when we talked about the Pharisees, those were all do's. Those are all things they do, actually. Oh, they had tons of don'ts. I know they do, they have don'ts, but when we think when we th- think of what he was talking about, the Pharisees, we're saying the things they put on their clothes, the way they talk, the way they tithe. Mm-hmm. Those are all do's were the things we listed. That's true. Let me ask you this. The Bible says that if you are a Christian, you are holy. Mm. This, is a, this is a positional reality that... Uh, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might in him become 
the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. And we are saints. We are holy. These, these, these are adjectives used of us in throughout the New Testament. But if I were to ask any Christian I know, write down 75 adjectives that describe you. Holy would not make the list on anybody's document. Why is that? I think, to, to give credit here, I think most people who um, who would describe themselves as followers of Christ have a realistic understanding of our depravity compared to the the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the perfection of God. Mm-hmm. So I think it's hard. That one doesn't come to the surface because we are constantly aware of our um, uh, depravity, our shortcomings. So it would be safe to say, I think, that among Christ followers in a typical church, none of them would think I'm holy. Yeah. I think it's, it's a, it's a tough, it's almost the same. Um, what's the word near, near paradox or at least like a dichotomy of, uh, of, you know, I have, I am adopted into the, I'm the son of the King of the universe mm-hmm. and I need to be the servant of all. I had completely died to myself be the servant of all. Those two are almost the same dichotomy as I am holy and I am a sinner, a sinner, and I'm depraved. Okay, so um, how do you reconcile, personally, Jesus saying, your holiness has to exceed this. Be holy because I'm holy. Mm -hmm. So this is the command, be holy. And yet none of us would say we are. How do we reconcile the gap? It's almost... I was starting to think about it as in this conversation, I was starting to think about it as just nearly just clerical in the big old book of God. <laughs> he looks at it and says, Oh, John's holy because okay. he looks at Jesus instead of you. Exactly. But in a, uh, in a behavioral practical way of, as far as your life here, that when Jesus says, be holy, he's not necessarily talking about the big book. Up in you know right in heaven he's talking right. about he's talking about in your actions in functionally your, right functionally now. be holy that puts me at a loss so it's interesting we've been talking about do's and don'ts yeah but Jesus doesn't say do holy he sure. says be holy sure and I think one of the hurdles for us is we attach it one hundred percent to behavior mm-hmm. but as we talked about the book we recently read not a fan you can do tons of the right things in fact the pharisees did now we look in hindsight and we laugh when he says that your your righteousness has to exceed theirs well yeah because they were hypocrites they were Mm. they were not authentic yeah they were not genuinely gods they were playing a game they were loving the praise of men they were loving the seats of authority they were loving having um being above everybody else so they're what they weren't in fact holy and because theirs was so... Be- Even though they were doing all the right stuff. Well, exactly. Because it was so behavior-focused, they thought, I did the things. I am better than them. Okay. Like, so physically, here, I so did So here do we them. are colliding with this because all of your answers so far have been behavioral answers. Yeah. And so we just said, those guys could have checked all the behavioral boxes, but they weren't holy. So we're saying, I don't feel holy because I can't check those boxes. I don't feel like I could boast that I checked those boxes. Well, it's... So when we're talking, we're talking about function, right? That the, at least the setup I, I brought up was either, um, metaphorical and rhetorical holiness yeah. or functional holiness. Right. And the Pharisees wouldn't even be functionally holy because when we, when we see, um, 
the ways they would set up Jesus, like uh, the healing on the Sabbath. I forget if that was the blind man or not, or the withered hand. It was a withered man on uh, hand. Yeah, on the there Sabbath. was actually quite a few of those. But and they would they would see a man, and they know they've seen what Jesus can do before this point. He's been right. this, we're at least a year into his ministry, right? And they say, "Aha, here we can trap him because we're going to see if, he can, if he'll heal this man on the Sabbath, right? And he'll break the big rule." So even that functionally is despicable that they would that they would see this man in in need of healing and try and trap somebody with it instead of you know the healing of the man well they're trapping a guy who's accusing them of missing god when they feel like they got they've cracked the code on god and what's interesting is the pharisees were so concerned about sin that if the if the if the sin was at you know one line they would put a fence Right, way before that line to make sure you don't get and to call that, that a law. Yeah, that way you'd you'd have to feel like you're breaking the law before you ever got to the law, just to be super. So super that you careful. wouldn't break the law, and this is what that Sabbath had become to them. You you could only walk so many steps, you could only carry so many pounds. You you know there were they were tried to redefine this so that you wouldn't by accident break the Sabbath. So then this leads me to think uh, almost along the lines of the fruits of the spirit as far as holiness. So that was a uh, that's a selfish thing to do. You cannot do selfish. You can only be selfish. So in that way, it's the inverse of that. If you are holy, you are not selfish. In, in that, again, in that example with the man with the withered hand, their concerns that were for themselves and so for holy, this man who was so holiness out. would be selflessness, selflessness, um, uh, wrathlessness. I'm not sure the things that you are, because again, you can't do anger. You can right. do things angrily, right? Um, so then, you know, patience, uh, uh, you cannot do impatience. You can be impatient. Mm -hmm. So then I start thinking along the fruits of the spirit. Well, here's, uh, so would holiness be a fruit of the spirit? No, it would be all of them. I I that would be holiness. Okay. Would be, uh, um, yeah. So I'm going to show my cards. What my goal is in this conversation is for us to get a, a, uh, functional grip on what it is to be holy and then to actually pursue it Hmm. so that we would not be living. I think part of maybe a subconscious problem for Christians is this very thing. I know God has called me to be something I cannot be. Mm-hmm. And so I live with this embarrassing fact and somehow still hope that God loves me. And I think it, it undermines yeah, a lot of things. Absolutely. And even uh, this comes up a lot, you know, you must be perfect as your father is perfect. It's the yeah. same, same yeah. thing. Yeah. So um, I looked up on dictionary.com because, you know, the internet has all the answers. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, when you look up holy, it says, specifically recognized as or declared sacred by religious use or authority, hmm. or dedicated or devoted to the service of God, or having a spiritually pure quality. And it seems like we've specifically been talking about that third one. Yeah. Or entitled to worship or veneration as or as if sacred. So a holy relic. Mm-hmm. So when it talked about the first one, specifically recognized as or declared sacred, the example is holy ground. Mm-hmm. Take off your shoes, Moses. You're standing on holy ground. This piece of real estate is holy. Okay, so that and that's because that makes me think almost of like uh, respect or of like taking yourself seriously. That what you do matters is almost what that makes me think of. You mm-hmm. are set aside for the use of God. Yeah. So take that seriously. Yeah. So that is a state of being. That's not behavior. That is uh, allocation. Yes. 
So uh, the the I'm tr- I'm torn whether I should go to the scripture verse first or give what I believe to be the definition of holy. But let me do the scripture first. Yeah, do it this first because Second uh, Corinthians chapters six and seven uh, really deal with this at least in a way that uh, plays with our with our thinking. So you have all these promises in chapter six. You have all these promises about how good God is. And then you have this, uh, starting in verse 14, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. What does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Pharisees were really good at this, like not being touched by common sinners. Mm -hmm. What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and the devil? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Then the next sentence, which is chapter 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're having this call here to perfect holiness out of reverence for God because we have all these great promises from God and this great activity of God. Our response to that, our our natural response is to perfect holiness out of reverence for God. Is that uh, making you feel any different about holiness than we've talked so far? Only so before this was the uh, soft revelation of the uh of the allocation and the the um so i would call that position position you're you're positionally holy in christ versus functionally holy but the word perfecting holiness that sounds very uh effortful yes it sounds very much actions based or inactions based perfecting uh sounds it it reminds me of working out salvation with uh, fear and trembling Mm -hmm. you know it, if, sounds, it sounds challenging to perfect holiness. If holiness is an a, is a action-based thing, then perfecting it is to act that way even more. Right. But the question still remains, what is holiness so that I can perfect that? And if it is a state of being, how do you perfect a state of being? It's not. So that's, so we agree. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about your positional holiness in Christ because you can't perfect that. That's perfect. Except the, if we talked about holiness, a state of being out of respect and reverence that's that word reverence again there yeah. again in this translation is out of reverence for god yes perfect your holiness so yeah. that that is a through line through both yep i think yeah so let me give you my definition of holy which i believe to be accurate to the scriptures okay please holy is set apart for only use from god so hmm. uh the the articles in the tabernacle you know you had the 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 incense the candlesticks the the tables, the furniture, the, the, the utensils, those were all holy. They could only be used for the worship of God. So they were holy to that. To be holy to God is to be entirely his, Mm -hmm. to be set apart uh, for him. I belong to him. So I would say an example that's more common uh, is a screwdriver. A screwdriver is holy to turning screws. This exactly does exactly what it's supposed to do. Yes. Now I've used it to pry open paint cans. <laughs> I've turned it over and driven a nail in the wall with the butt of the screwdriver. Uh, you know, I have done dumb things with a screwdriver, mm-hmm. but that's not what it's for. It is holy to turning screws. 
So God is saying to us, you were made for something. And that something is God. And um, not your Sunday is holy. Not your time in the Bible is holy. Not the times that you witness to someone or pray. All of it's holy because it all belongs to God. You were made for God to live in him, with him, for him, through him. And um, this is what it is to be holy, to be entirely God's. Hmm. So your money is his, your time is his, your marriage is his, your kids are his. So becoming more holy is only increasing the number of things that are that are going towards God or that are being used used by God or yeah, is that so, what you mean? Well, so I would say like perfecting holiness in this in this lens would right. be to to keep to keep comprehending that everything I have is his and that it all belongs to him and my hands are open. It came from him. Like somebody said the other day, I heard somebody say, you don't give money to God. It was his to begin with. So you're returning it to God. Right. So, um, cause none of it's yours. It all, came, everything you have came from him. Yeah. And so to be holy is to say, man, I am his and my life exists not for my pleasure, my accomplishment, my wealth ac- accumulation, my popularity, my life exists for God. Right. If my life's going to be holy, then it's going to be entirely his. So, and one of this would make sense then when Jesus says, unless you hate your mother and father, your your husband, your wife, your kids, that's what this compares to. Like my life, hey, you know, you're my son, but my life belongs to God. Yeah. So you're my wife. I've got a covenant with you, but my life belongs to God. Mm -hmm. So let's do some word study here out of this verse seven, because that's to me, it's really the... I think at, verse, at chapter six, we kind of latch onto this holiness of come out and be separate, says the Lord. So I'm going to distance myself from evil people. I'm going to not be around sinners. I'm going to not uh, date an unbeliever or marry an unbeliever. Yeah. We tend to really focus on, again, those are action things. Um, touch no unclean thing, you know, he says. So, well, and I was curious because that is the immediately preceding perfecting holiness. He's talking about not right. being yoked to unbelievers. And that originally, this might be slightly tangential, but um, that is the exact criticism the Pharisees had of Jesus was, you know, eating and drinking with unbelievers. With the riffraff. Yeah. These people are sinners. What are you doing hobnobbing with them? So then, but Paul is telling the the church in Corinth to do the same thing, to not, you know, hobnob with, well, with sinners. <laughs> well, first of all, the word yoke is an interesting word. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That means to be strapped into a harness and bound together. So... Uh, there's strong warning about Christians going into business partnerships with non-believers. Mm. Uh, a yoke is certainly a marriage covenant. Don't climb into that yoke with an unbeliever. Sure. So, um, this is about, this is about, you know, bringing somebody into that partnership with you. Gotcha. Don't do that. And, um, but let's look at just chapter seven, verse one. I think this sentence will help us a lot. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us. Okay. Step one purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Hmm. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to purify ourselves from everything that contaminates two things of us, our body and our spirit. The word body, body there is sarks. It means a person's personhood. So let's purify ourselves from everything that contaminates my personhood. What comes to your mind when I say, John, God wants you to purify yourself of everything that contaminates the 
personhood of John? What would you come, what comes to your mind? Uh, immediately, I think of uh, sexual immoralities, just because we're we're taught that those are particularly poisonous to the body. Okay. Um, so purifying the body itself and things that um, can demean or or mm-hmm. dehumanize. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, uh, again, thinking of holiness as for the purpose of God. Um, certain ways you spend your time. Mm-hmm. or uh, things you spend too much mental energy on, mm-hmm. things like that. That's great. Those are great examples. I think if, if, if it's going to contaminate your personhood, it's going to get you to trust in the wrong thing. It's going to get mm-hmm. you to find your peace in the wrong thing. These contaminate you because they they build idols and they build uh, places of trust and confidence that are not God. So you're contaminating the self right, um, by becoming something else uh, but also spirit does not contaminate body and spirit now actually the word spirit there is pneuma that is god's spirit oh so not your spirit the, right. the holy spirit right and so um how could you purify yourself in a way that does not contaminate the holy spirit I literally have zero idea. (laughs) (laughs) Is that stewardship of the spirit? I I think that is, you know, now you're talking about the spirit's activity in your life and Uh you're contaminating that by ignoring it, by fighting against it, by defying his work in you. Maybe. Uh, I think this is worthy of some reflection and prayer. Lord, how am I contaminating the work of the spirit in my life? For sure. Uh, so then perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now, the word reverence there is actually phobos, where we get the word phobia. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's out of fear of God. I'm perfecting holiness out of the abject fear of God. Well, also just before this, either in chapters five or six, he's talking about the uh, Jesus doling out, um, you know, rewarding and, and, and punishing for your actions on earth. So th- that's immediately following that idea that yeah. we will face the judge one day. Yeah. First uh, Peter says it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Mm-hmm. So to, I, I equate this often with um, working a chainsaw because I worked a chainsaw for the first time when I was in my 30s and I was terrified. Yeah. And, and I was told by the guys who trained me, if you ever lose your fear of this chainsaw, you're going to get hurt. Like the only way to effectively use a chainsaw is to be is to be fully aware that it could it could kill you any moment, you know, take off parts of your body, that it's an extremely dangerous thing. Hmm. And I, I kind of think that way about this reverence for God. So we're perfecting holiness. I'm perfecting, I'm, I'm pushing away things that would contaminate myself, my personhood, and the work of the Spirit in my life out of this reverence for how awesome, dangerous, powerful, glorious God is. Yeah. So when I think of that, I think, well, do you have any thoughts about putting all of this conversation so far together into now? Now, what would you say it would be take for John to be holy? Well, this clarifies to me, uh, for one, like many things to talk about in Scripture that could be, that seem like they could be conflicting. So is holiness something I am or something I do? Like with most, I mean, this is the this is the, the conflict we see in almost everything, especially in the New Testament. Uh, am I saved because of who I am or what I do? Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. And the answer <laughs> to this, am I holy? Am I holy or do I do holy things? Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. So 
uh, if you've been just a wreck all week, mm-hmm. been bad to your mm-hmm. wife, been bad to your kids, mm-hmm. lazy at work, uh, you can you are still holy because it is because you are it is claimed by God. You are yeah. set apart yeah. by God for God. So it doesn't matter necessarily the season, big or small, that you're in. Yeah, because you're still holy. Yeah, because you're still set apart. So uh, clerically, like in in you know the tabs on a folder, you're mm-hmm. still in that folder. Yep. Uh, and then also because of that, you can still, in the words of Paul, um, uh, perfect holiness out of reverence for or mm-hmm. out of fear for God. Yeah. So I think for me, the uh, seeming paradox is now resolved. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can I can. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, reconcile. Reconcile. That's exactly it. You get me. I can reconcile those differences. Mm hmm. Yeah, and the word perfecting I meant to point out is to bring something to a certain standard. Okay. So I'm going to keep working to bring my life to this place that I'm already actually at with Jesus. Yeah. So I'm trying to catch up in practice what I am in position, and I'm and I'm going to do that by uh, purifying the things that contaminate my personhood and that hinder or taint or damage the work of the spirit in me. Absolutely. And so in the beginning of the conversation, you said pursuing holiness today Mm -hmm. in in our current modern Mm -hmm. culture. I have more questions about that. Would you want to do that after our commercial break? Yeah, we'll be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives, and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com, where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. Thanks for those of you who support us. By the way, I just want to add one more thought. If you're a patron at the $50 a month level, you get a coaching session. Sometimes we do these rec- these uh, recordings after I've done a recent coaching session, so it reminds me about that. Nice. Uh, really grateful to all of you. John, give us a media review, and then we'll dive right back into this holiness conversation. Sure. So uh, it's been, I feel like it's been a minute. We I've talked a lot about music lately. Uh, but I figured I would do a book. So I was thinking of uh, Lord of the Rings. I was recently on a uh, movie podcast called The Real Ramblin'. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, it's R-E-E-L-L. Ramblin'. Ramblin'. So it's Ramblin' about movies. About movies, yeah. And I, I was a guest on there. And uh, anyway, I was thinking about the... We talked a little bit on there about the Lord of the Rings movies. And uh, all my life, I I grew up with Lord of the Rings movies and I never watched them. All my, my buddies had watched them. I've never watched them. Really? I've only seen the first one. That's probably why I had never watched them, but I had all my church friends were obsessed. They had the games and everything. And so, uh, all my life I wanted to read them first. 
even when I was young. I was like, well, I, I don't really want to watch them. I man, should probably those read those are first. some hefty books, man. And they, yeah, they are. I read The Hobbit when I was pretty young. Uh, but anyway, so then I get to high school. I'm like, I'm going to read these books. And so I read The Fellowship, run through it. And then I read half of The Two Towers, which is a great book now that I've finished it. But for some reason, I, I dropped it about halfway through. And so years later, then I'm uh, 24. <laughs> and I am like, well, I got to start again. So I didn't reread The Hobbit because I had a, a decent hold of that. I read The Hobbit in high school, too, I should say. I reread The Hobbit, then I read Fellowship, then I stopped in Two Towers. And so this time I just read Fellowship, Two Towers, uh, Return of the King. Just ran I remember along. this. You, you read them back to back to back. And, uh, and they are really, really incredible. And uh, better, I mean, you worry when the, something is this, again, revered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's by the public. You worry that what if it's just over right, right. And I've talked about uh, Narnia before. I did read Narnia in high school. I read all through those. Yeah. And uh, I was just really blown away by those. I was like, maybe because they there's this weird kind of rivalry in the culture, not necessarily between the men right, right of uh, Narnia and, and Lord of the Rings. And so I was like, well, now especially, what if Lord of the Rings doesn't hold up? And also, this whole time, I have this fear that what if I'm going to be one of those guys that doesn't like the Lord of the Rings movies <laughs> because <laughs> because I've seen those guys and I think you're a snob right you're a, and they don't like them because of the books right yes because they yeah. because they like the books more and uh, I'm sure there are people who don't like either but I've never met one yeah so blown away by these books and then I watched the movies and I love the first movie I watched them all extended edition me and my wife and the first movie extended edition is really incredible mm-hmm. I loved it. I was so blown away. I was like, I can't believe how well they pulled this off. Yeah. And then they just did a bunch of stuff I didn't like in the next two movies. And there's still the the set design, the acting, everything about them is still amazing. The music, the I said acting, uh, uh, everything. The Just the way they filmed it, still all beautiful. But they did really weird things decision-wise with the, the story that I wouldn't like. But that's why I'm here to talk about the books. Uh they're fantasy books, obviously, mm-hmm. and so a lot of people, you don't read fiction hardly at all. I don't think I could convince you to read Lord of the Rings more so than other fiction because it's fantasy, but I would beseech people that it's just really, really good. I beseech uh, you. Beseech you. It's really, really good. I beseech you. That doesn't make sense. because that's No, it I, doesn't. That's I right. I beseech you to read the books because there you they're go. very, very there you good. Go. There you go. Uh, clearly, I, I, do a, I do a lot of reading. Um <laughs> But no, I just, it's hard to, because there, there's a lot, it's it's content heavy. Yeah. So there's a, not a lot I can point to and say Problem is this, for this, me, there's so many names to remember. They introduce all these characters so fast and you have to tr- keep track. It's like I want to keep a cheat sheet of characters next yeah, to Yeah, do me. it. Do it. Keep notes. I don't like working that hard. <laughs> when you, well, that's, so here's the thing. It's the same thing with Lonesome Dove. A thousand page Western. I don't want you to read it unless you want to read it. Yeah. So for me, reading Lord of the Rings, every time they're bringing up names and histories and they're singing fables within the fable, <laughs> they're telling stories of like old legends. Right. Uh, to me, that is all just like just dessert. That is just, mm, I'll take more of that, please. <laughs> they're singing songs. I've heard people, this is makes me, makes me go crazy. There's lots of songs in Lord of the Rings and some people just say, oh, I skipped those. I don't know. I don't read the songs. And I'm like, are you crazy? I came up with a tune for every single you did? song. Yeah, I had to. I had to. That's hilarious. Because I'm in the scene. Yeah. I'm in the scene and they're singing. I'm like, uh-oh. I got to think of a song. Now in the movies, it? how did they come close to your to your tune? In 
the only one I really liked that I came up with. The rest of them, I just had to come up with something just to make myself yeah. not go crazy. Uh, there's only one song that I really was like, hey, that's a pretty good tune for those lyrics. I think that really fit. Yeah. And uh, and I'm sure they did better than me because actual musicians wrote it. But um, And one thing I'll say, last thing I'll say, is Narnia is is the more overtly Christian book. It is one-to-one. If you've ever read three pages of scripture, you're like, okay, this is clearly, yeah. clearly Christian allegory. Yeah. And uh, Tolkien and Lord of the Rings, I had heard, was uh, more subtle, and that is definitely true. But if you are an adult Christ follower and you are reading Lord of the Rings, some of the stuff's going to smack you right in the face. Yeah. And some of it is really beautiful. Yeah. Like a lot of the more subtle uh, uh, thematic and... And a lot of the things, the, one of the bones I have to pick with the movie is they removed a lot of the uh, Christian allegory. Yeah. And uh, just because, well, because any number of reasons. But anyway, that's Lord of the Rings. I spent more time talking about the movie than I meant to, but uh, I love those books. And if you only ever read the, or seen the movies and you like them, then you'll probably like the books. Yeah. All right. And I will just throw in one media review quickly for the podcast, Real Ramblin'. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chris Jovanovic uh, hosts that, and we're kind of fans. So um, check it out. All right, John, you said you had a couple of questions about holiness in the 21st century and about where do we go from here? Yeah, so we, I have, I've probably expressed this before. I have a bone to pick with people who, I've used that phrase a few times now in this podcast, with people who would say that we are now in a more morally abject time than ever before and i don't totally not true that's not true but we are in one of the times that is open about how morally abject we are we're in one of the times that in front of everybody in god they'll say i don't know if there's right and wrong you know right there have been times in in uh there have been civilizations that would not question that publicly that would not be cheered on to to say things that now it is cheered on to say that that so so that part i i'm with i would agree with that so now if we're to pursue holiness and what you and i've been on this kind of kick about living in truth and being completely truthful and open you're not trying to conceal that you're pursuing holiness you know you're you're living in the truth and speaking the truth in all of your moments and interactions how do we do this in a way that doesn't make people just run away from us screaming just like, I don't want to hang out with that guy, you know? So you're assuming that someone who's pursuing holiness, uh, perfecting holiness out of the fear of God is going to be a real downer to be around. Yes. I, on paper, <laughs> on paper. Yes. If someone says, and Hey, yet Jesus was the most holy guy ever. And people loved to be around. Him. Yes. But I'm, I'm so saying, there's something wrong here, John. You're, I'm saying, listen to me. I'm saying right now. I'm having a party, or my, my buddy's having a party. My yeah. buddy, he's a he's a stoner, yeah, uh, and he's into new age, yeah, and he's having a birthday party, yeah, and I work with him or something, and he invites me over, and I say, hey, I invited my buddy Daryl, and he's the holiest dude I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he'd go, what? Do you, no, man, I don't want Daryl here. Yeah, see, so. So there's something wrong with that. I love that you brought this up because that means that's something wrong with that because our model of holiness is, in fact, the Lord Jesus. And people loved him at their parties. Yeah. So somewhere we're getting this wrong. Yeah. But so are holiness, we getting so, so no, holiness? Saying, here's what I would say. Okay. Okay. Legalist 
I should be if you know you might be thinking holy holy people are legalistic. They're they're going to tell the truth. They're going to they're going to Jesus juke you. <laughs> Jesus juke? Yeah. Oh, I just watched four hours on Netflix. Imagine what would have happened if you had spent four hours in prayer with Jesus. <laughs> Jesus juked. <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> so uh, people, if you're a Jesus juker, yeah, people get sick of you hanging around. Holiness doesn't have anything to do with you saying religious things to people who are smoking dope. Yeah. It has to do with you being belonging fully to God and being so free from self and judgment and negativity and hatred that you are the most peaceful person they've ever been around. And they're like, how do you get like that without smoking dope? Mm. How do you get so calm? How do you remain so joyful when the world's falling apart? Yeah. How do you love me so much when I've given you 33 reasons not to? This would be holy. I. It's interesting. It made me think, the, think of, uh, I read this blog post recently of a guy who has been now a Christian for like a year and a half. And uh, and he was it like deep in drugs before this. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how lonely he is now because the drug community was so much more tight and and mm-hmm. so much more loyal yep. and so much better friends than the people that he's met in, in church. And how because he he knows that he can't hang out with them without going back into his old lifestyle, so he doesn't hang out with them anymore. Mm. And he's he's seeking purity, seeking closeness with God, but he's just so lonely because yeah. he, he can't find those same level. That's of friends. really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it breaks my heart. But it's hard to. I don't know that's a big problem. That's that's not necessarily what we're talking about now. But I just no, it, it is a problem. But he's, he, I you know you wonder if his sense of holiness for himself means isolation. I think loneliness. This is a subject we're going to talk about in church in a couple of weeks. I think loneliness is a human universal experience that we will not escape this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. We can have moments, you know. Um, and so when we let people into our story, we let them into our loneliness and it's a powerful thing. And, um, and we confess our loneliness. I think that's a powerful thing. So that might be a holy thing to do Yeah, is to, is to be honest. You're talking about letting the truth take us wherever it goes and we'll follow it. The truth is I'm lonely. That's okay. Um, so we kind of pivoted here to a, to a, a tangent, but I think that holiness in this picture is truth telling, but uh, free. You know, uh, one of the things I've said for years is every Christian should be absurdly happy, mm-hmm. completely fearless, and constantly in in trouble. And uh, so, when I think about that guy going to the stoner party, he's going to be absurdly happy. He's going to be completely fearless. He doesn't need anything from anybody in the room. He's able to serve them graciously. Um, we haven't figured this out. And so in our pursuit of holiness, we actually become the people nobody wants to be around. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, there's something broke there. Yeah. Do you what, have a, I was going to ask, do you have a takeaway for this? Well, I was going to, that's where I was going to go with you too. <laughs> I was going to ask you if, what your takeaway was. I'm always going first. You go first. My takeaway is that holiness is actually entirely in this regard between me and God. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how uh, God knows our hearts 
And really what I'm doing is trying to give my entire heart and life to God. That will have ramifications with how I live it. It will reveal itself in ways with how I behave. I might not cheat on my taxes anymore because I'm walking in honesty before God. Uh, I'm trusting him for money instead of thinking I got to cheat somebody to get some. So it does have ramifications, but I'm not holy because I don't cheat on my taxes. I'm holy because I'm perfecting this uh, oneness with God, this belonging to God. I think that what's missing is that we pursue holiness from the outside in. I'm yeah. going to do or not do, and then it's going to make me holy. And to flip the script there and say, I am holy because Jesus made me holy. Now I'm going to perfect the holiness he's given me so that I'm um, purifying myself from anything that would contaminate the self that Jesus birthed in me and the work of his spirit in me. So I think it's a very much an inside job. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, mine is similar with just going into this. Um, again, those conflicts of identity or actions. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's so much written about it. The entire book of James is about it. We've had multiple conversations yeah, about we it. Have. And it's still not easy. Uh, <laughs> this, in this context, for some reason, it is easier to digest a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't, and I'm not sure why that is, but how it can, how it can be. Um, it is who I am, so I will uh, strive I will, for it. I will live out who I already am. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's. I've wondered about this because I've. I was thinking recently about uh, born again language, because in uh, at least how I was taught in school about uh, salvation, and I think this is very common, at least in in the West. It is uh, you have been saved by God, you are being saved by God day by day, and you will eventually be fully saved by God in your new flesh in eternity. You'll, yeah. you'll be free of your, your yeah. struggling, brutal flesh. Yeah. And I wonder if, if it would help people right now to think of being born again that way. Mm -hmm. I've been born again every single day. I'm through the labor pains of being born again. Mm -hmm. And eventually I will be really born again. I love that. That's a great takeaway. I think that's a really good way to look at that. Because for me, all growing up, I was like, well, man, I don't feel born again. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm fighting every day and losing every day Yeah, against flesh that's supposed to be totally subjugated. subjugated. Yeah. yeah. And so in this, this identity, because you, you can't neglect the action. You can't neglect the perfecting your holiness. Uh, and so you might think, especially, you know, in our previous conversations, it was because I had in my head and my logical understanding of things neglected the importance of, of works and your actions. Mm -hmm. So the big slap in the face was, oh my word, if those matter, then what even is, <laughs> you know, substitution and, and right. the blood of Jesus, right. what even is that mm -hmm. if what I do matters? And as uncomfortable as an answer it is, it was for me and probably for a lot of people is it is both. And that one, it is one, both. one reveals the other. Yes, it is both, but it's which one starts, where do you start and where does the fuel for it come from? Yeah. So I start with, I've been redeemed, right? I am set apart. I, I am, am set apart by God. Yeah. Now, how do I live that out? How do I let Christ live in me? as I navigate these daily complications in such a way that his ownership of me is reflected. 
Yeah. And I guess because I'm, so I'm not earning anything. I'm not no, out there that, earning something. And I'm not trying to scare anybody with that. I mean that the idea of, of with holiness, with that I am um, uh, sanctified, is that what I do with my body now is very important. It is. That it could be um, a, a disgusting thing to just act like that doesn't matter. That Man. that actually cheapens what God has done for you. I would agree completely. It's the most, it's the biggest insult you could give to the blood that was shed for you. Right. Is to behave as if it didn't make any difference at all. Right. So that I, and I, so I wasn't trying to say, trying to scare anybody about salvation or anything like that with with your actions. Well, that makes a lot of sense. But uh, yeah, that's my takeaway for this conversation. Well, that's awesome. Listen, we'd love to hear from you what your takeaway is. And uh, if you're holy, send us your name. We'd like to We'd like to meet people who are willing to say, I am holy. I'm just kidding there. But we would like to hear from you. If you have thoughts about today's episode, share it with a friend. Let us know what you think. Give us uh, episode ideas. We love that. Yeah. Best way to do that, John, is what? Uh, through email at info at com. No H in the John. Or uh, DM us on Instagram at Jim and John as well. Or there's a contact uh, sheet on the website, com. Yep. And if you go to our bio part of our Instagram, you can use a link tree there that'll get you to everything. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. We will uh, talk to you next week for episode 126.